This is Agents Influence Podcast. Between the cloud and APIs and whatever other buzzword you want to say, like the data transactions, the flexibility, the insights can move freely between them. There's so much knowledge out there and the tools are here now that if we start to play with them, we build up our ability to really benefit from them. And look, a benefit ultimately is about being that trusted advisor, being that trusted protector of the insured, which is the real ultimate point. The money comes if you do that. Like You'll do well commission-wise if you do that. You'll have a really strong business with high retention and growth. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hey, 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 loyal listeners. Welcome to Agents Influence Podcast, conversations with Jason Cass. That's me. I guess you kind of know that, but that's okay. Maybe I should tell you every podcast. But uh, we had a special guest on today, and I say special because, I mean, from what it says on on his LinkedIn profile is that he's a TEDx talker. Huh? I mean, we don't have many of those. We don't have many TED talkers. Come on now. Come on, loyal listeners. I always bring you the best, and you know that. Um, and here's what I want to tell you before we get on to Brian, because I don't have a lot of time and Brian has a lot to bring into this uh, podcast. One of the things I want to remind you is our, our remind you of remind you is remind you of is that we uh, for the month of July, I believe you're probably listening this right at the end of June, um, because I'm kind of piling them up right now. Because for the month of July, I have already recorded eight that is going to be in connection with the new podcast series we have on the AI uh, network, which is called Explain This Book to Me with Josh Lipstone, where he um, looks at different books from people, maybe like even the book that Brian's going to talk about, but other books out there from uh, uh, bestsellers to just normal books that maybe people don't know about. He's going to have the author or people come on and explain that book to him. It's called Explain That Book to Me. The host is Josh Lipstone. And the first book we'll be doing is Customer Service is Just Foreplay. It's the modern customer experience that will be separating you. I have to tell you, I have recorded these over the last eight, uh, let's see, probably the last eight over the last three or four weeks. I really, truly believe it might be some of the best stuff that we did because I'm able to incorporate what I was writing and what was in my mind in 2015, and I'm bringing it now forward to saying, where was I wrong? Where was I right? Which, hey, I'm exposing myself. You know how we do here. Cast Dog is all about that. But then the other thing was is, where are we going? And I think I have an insight to where we're going like no other agent because I'm part of the NEON program. And I know for a fact that they're developing something that even the insure techs, Brian and I are going to talk about it, that they don't understand. Carriers know about it and they're jumping on board, but we're going to discuss that. So once again, in the month of July, you're not going to get any agents influence. You're not going to get any agency intelligence. You are just going to get explain this book to me. I will be with you, but I will be the guest rather than host of the show. All right, let's get on with it. Brian, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on, Jason. Brian, dude, um, so once again, loyal listeners, disclaimer, Brian and I don't know each other. We know each other for about nine minutes. Yeah. And yeah, um, yeah and 
and how I found Brian was I actually have been following him and he's got this book that we'll discuss. So I've been kind of watching him and you know how I do loyal listeners. But then when Ryan reached out to me, he said, Cass, this guy, you got to have on. Ryan doesn't do that all the time. Ryan wow. only does that because he knows that I'm already lined up with big dogs, Brian. He knows I don't have much more room. I That's mean, right. dude, yeah. I'm, I'm loaded over here. And so, but wait a minute. I said, wait a minute, pull the curtains. Let's make a little space, a little space, and let's put Brian right in it. And today, ironically, we chose the right day because yeah. it is book launch day for you. And loyal listeners, we did not plan that, did we, Brian? No. And and actually, yeah, like the launch day changed after we booked it. So this is like a kismet gods Boom. from heaven coming down. Yeah. They know. Yep. That this dude's about to blow up because this podcast is going to go drop it like it's hot. He's at a conference today, or the book is being announced, I should say, at a conference of 10,000 people. This is the kind of the quality that I bring to you, loyal listeners. You know this. You know this. Brian, you ready? I'm ready. Let's do are it. You, are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user? Uh it depends. I, I'm an iPhone user, unless people hate that, and then I'll no, I'm still an <laughs> iPhone user. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, boy, he panders. All right. I'm telling you, I'm telling I used you. to be a BlackBerry user, but I still, yeah, dude, no, I'm on my phone. Dude, there's a little bit of pride with that. There's a little bit of like, hey, I was a BlackBerry user. because I could mash that keyboard like no one else. Dude, yes. Yeah. And, and, and at that time, it wasn't cool to have like these phones with you all the time and be on them, you know? So if you weren't a Black Boy or Black uh, BlackBerry user, you were probably like Nokia or something, you know, and, and you were jealous. Yeah. Well, you actually thought made fun of those people, but then originally yeah. you found out how awesome they were. So, yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to admit that I used to have like a holster on my belt back when I was a consultant, <laughs> like it was a gun and I had two of them. Should we move on? Let's move on. Well, you know you had the whole Where's the too. show going? I do. I totally do. Oh, this show, this show's a lost train, brother. We already started it. Awesome. What's the last app you downloaded? Oh, man. Uh, I have no idea. Probably re-downloaded Brella for this conference because I don't tend to keep that on my phone otherwise. Really? Yeah, that's okay. kind of lame. So that's what you, no, it's, that's not. Well, so I downloaded some games right before then that my son and I have been playing in this whole lockdown thing. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. How old is he? He is eleven. Oh uh, man, awesome time, awesome yeah, time. Yeah. Wife and I were just talking about that, uh, looking back at some pictures from when our boys were about eight or nine, and it's like that's you have no idea how great that age is. Uh, you hear all about it, but then when yeah. you experience, you're like. Ah! So yeah. I, my boys are 21 and 15. Woo, wow. Yeah. They're, they're a lot there. So um, do you love to win or do you hate to lose? That's a really good question. Um, I think that I would err on the side of loving to win. There's times where actually like losing's not so bad. It depends on what the process is and what you get out of it. Mm -hmm. But I certainly would not have said that years ago. I'd be like, lose? What's wrong with you? Right. Sometimes I it's like the right call. It is. You're right. I like that. Sometimes it's the right call. Editor, pop that out of there. Let's use that as a quote. That's a good one. Sometimes it's the right call. And the last one, which lets us know a lot about you, man. There's two things in the world that are going to drive you to where you are today. One skill, one's luck. Which one has got you to where you are today more than the other? Uh, if luck is another way of saying opportunity, then I'll go with that because I, I think I have been I've found some pretty amazing opportunities that I don't know how the heck that all played out. And mm -hmm. uh, I, it's, it's not skill. Like I'm not good enough for that. So I did not, I did not shape that all happening. Um, yeah. 
Okay. All right. Now hop us through the timeline of your life. If you took us back to like high school, whatever college, and you brought us forward when you were a COO, CMO, bring us through that stage to where you are today. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, not going too far back into high school, but as a little bit of background, and there's another side of my life on the self-help side. Like it's my third book, but it's the first one in, in insurance itself. I was uh, pretty obese growing up. So I got this whole backstory of being like the fat wow. kid and coming through that. Um, so that's where the the whole losing, like that was definitely good losing back then um, so that I could win. But uh, I, I got out of college when the dot-com bubble was uh, like this needle was coming for it to pop that thing. 99, 2000? Yeah, I got yeah. out in 2000. Um, I was supposed to get out in 01. And most of my original class, like I got out early and everyone's like biggest mistake of your life. You know, it was the best years of your life. And um, I, I didn't, like I was ready to leave. And pretty much all of my class that I would have graduated with struggled. You know, like 40% of them who had jobs lost those offers and the rest, Ooh. like some got to start the jobs. Others were like, can you just kind of wait? Like, we'll check in in six months and you still have your offer, but we can't start paying you yet. Right. Um, so kind of, you know, interesting timing <laughs> that uh, yeah. fast forward 20 years. And, and of course, like global finance, the great financial crisis in uh, 2008, like I've been through a few of these now. Um, but what that means is I had an internship at Liberty Mutual for what I thought was the summer between junior and senior year. And uh, then I found out I could graduate early and Liberty's like, oh, you know, we'll turn it full time. And I took it. And that's probably the best career decision I made of my for life. Liberty Mutual? Yeah, that's where I started. And that was one of these, like, I got into insurance by accident kind of stories. But that's the truth. Like, I wanted mm -hmm. uh, to do management consulting work, and they had this internal management consulting team. So I went for that. And uh, lo and behold, I actually found insurance really interesting. Like, all the jokes people make about it. Yeah. Like, that's fashionable. But uh, the reality is, like, actually, it's a pretty interesting industry. And I'm a fixer. Like, I love solving problems. I love seeing opportunity and finding a way to seize it. And man, like this is an industry that is just ripe with so many opportunities because we, we're not necessarily or we haven't necessarily been as forward thinking, as aggressive, as creative as some of the other industries out there, certainly back then. Mm -hmm. um, so that that just launched, you know, what has been a pretty amazing career with lots of opportunity and luck. So you came out of school knowing that you wanted to be in managerial consulting. Yeah. At a large company, what I wanted the to do it at a consulting you know? company. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't necessarily want to do it for a large company. I wanted to because I, I like to see lots of different things, and so I wanted to go to a consulting company. So, so you wanted to go to a consulting company, that, yeah. and then they would teach you and all that. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm thinking yeah. you just joined into an insurance company, saying, "Hey, I need to consult your managers." I'm thinking, "Wow, <laughs> you know yeah, what? What do I know?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, but the, it's, so, it's, so, it's analysis. Second, you know, you're 42 then. Yeah, 41. Yeah, okay. dude, we're, we're the same age. When you said that you graduated in 99 or 2000, yeah. I graduated, I'm class in 96. You class in 96? Uh, from college? No, from high from school. school in 97. Yeah, so we're, 97. I would have been, yeah, like you got, you I got picked done up early. with the 96s. Yeah, 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 yeah. My wife's 97. No, this tells me a lot, dude. I'm asking you these questions not because we're buddies sitting here no, drinking you, beer. No, you lived through the same thing. We lived through the same yeah. thing, but from a different angle. Um, I got into the insurance in 2001 because my father-in-law. But it's interesting of who you are only fits the mold of who we are. 
And I say that in the fact of maybe you talked about this with Hanley. If you didn't, it's because he's boring. Exennials. <laughs> he's my buddy. I can say yeah, that. Exennials. Yeah. Okay. Because this is important to understand. I haven't talked about this in a while. Um, you fit the mold. So there's that um, – Hanley and I have talked about this since 2010, and then someone decided to put it into writing form in 2013, 2012, about the, the people who were born um, Generation X. Those people were born analog, raised analog. Millennials, born digital, raised digital. There's this group, and we're part of it. Yeah. It's like from 77 to around 83, 84, and everybody wants to be a part of it, so they keep stretching it out into the 80s. But I think yeah. it's about 77 to 83 that they that we were born analog, but we were raised digital. Yeah. Like we were born before really Atari, and yeah, it was here, and computers yeah. were here, but we're talking Nintendo 64 set the standard in 84, 85, 86, whenever around about that was, and you and I at the time, 6, 8, 10 years old, so there's a thing that says that we understand the millennials, but we also can understand the, uh, the, the generation X, the greatest generation that ever, the baby boomers. We understand that a little bit differently than the rest of them do. So it's so great that you have no idea really that maybe a very defining point of your life was that you chose to what to be in managerial consulting, not knowing that where you could be possibly now, because I think a lot of businesses, and you may see this, they want to let go of the old, right? Mm -hmm. They want to grasp that new, they don't know how. And I think it's us exennials that are going to be that bridge that comes to them and says, it's okay, let go. Yeah. Here's what that could look like, you know, in the future. What yeah. say you about that? No, I, so I think, and especially in insurance, what's the first thing everyone says is a relationship business. If you can relate. Yes. And, and so, yeah, like, yes. did I know more than, so my first client at Liberty Mutual was David Long, who's the CEO today. Okay. Like, did I know more than David Long? No, absolutely not. I guarantee you that much. Um, but yeah, it's an ability to relate to the problem, relate to the situation. Right. And yeah, I, I, I think that's that's spot on. And that's really what a good consultant is about, is like, how do you connect to the person and what they're going through or the business mm -hmm. to figure out what's going to help them best? Otherwise, you're just an outsider who doesn't really have enough context and you never will. They're going to hate me when I say it, but that's okay. But those consultants who are 30 and those consultants who are 50 they don't understand, and it's okay. They were born in that. It's not their fault. They don't understand what a 39 to a 43-year-old understands in different things. And once again, I, I wasn't – it's not like something we studied. It was just where we were born yeah. and who we hung out with. That's and, really and it's, interesting. And it's, it's very, very true. And, man, I look back when I was younger and the older friends I used to hang out with when I was 8, 9, 10, I used to go to, like, this daycare and this other place. And I remember there was always older kids, 16, 17. So I was always watching them do all the digital things, right? When I was so little, I didn't know what was going on. And so, but also as I got older, I would, I, I had younger sisters, right? I was the older. So I was always in that younger mm. Very, very powerful. Exennials. Anyway, sorry about that. I, I just, I, I find that fascinating. It's cool. Yeah. You, you started saying 99, 2000. I'm thinking, dude, you line up. This is, this yeah. is, this is totally, there's a lot going on in the universe sometimes than you realize about how powerful you are being yeah. um, and the things that you are doing. Um, okay. So, so here you are now, dude, you are, you've got this this book. Okay. So, so what has inspired this? Like since you became a CEO or CMO, COO, tell us, I mean, where are you out yeah. now? What are you doing? Um, so that there's, there's two sides to my insurance career and like, you know, 
kept burning forward. I, I ended up at McKinsey doing management consulting work. And then uh, I went to Beasley when they were pretty new in the US and eventually got to be head of US operations. Uh, and this is like before cyber was a thing. So I was there when like the the modern day cyber policy was coming to be, which was pretty cool to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, and then I went to Hiscox USA and was chief claims officer there uh, until the end of 2018 when I went to an insure tech who I'd been a customer of. And that's where I got on the other side of the table. And it was, uh, it was an insure tech enabler, not let you know, an insure tech carrier. So I, this is where the relating to people came in. Mm -hmm. I was responsible for sales. It was like, we called it growth because that sounds better than the sales guy, but, um, <laughs> So what did I, like, I, I now was going around to all my peers, like, you know, calling them up, emailing, like, hey, we were just together at the chief claims officer summit, remember me, can we talk? And hearing where they're all at and hearing is one thing that my perspective, like I was in the same place, you know, we got constraints in the industry, we got pressures from customers or startup, like all these things we're facing. But now I'm talking to, I know, 80, 90 C-suite executives from all kinds of different carriers and lots of different situations. And I kept kind of hearing the same thing. So I'm talking to them about, you know, a cloud-based communication solution to help them in claims and in other places. And they're they're just shaking their head. And it's it's not because they don't they don't get the point. Right. I didn't get the point when they sold me on it. I was like, yeah, I don't text. I don't really care. My team was like, you're an idiot. Like <laughs> everyone else does, because maybe I was I was too Gen X of that. But um, right. yeah. they're just like, we, we can't do anything. Our customers are like, can't we just text you? What you know, we're playing phone tag. They're not emailing people back. They're, they're frustrated. They're like, oh, you know, but we got our our core system project still going on, and we're three x of the budget, and you know, we got eight years left, and it's miserable. Or it's like, oh, you know, we tried that, it didn't work for us, or whatever other kind of like deflating, hopeless feeling that they had. Basically, like we're getting attacked on the outside by these new startups who are like, oh, we're, you know, got this great customer experience and we're not, we're not tied down by any of the legacy constraints that these other carriers face. And the legacy guys are like, you know, we've got our system stuff, we've got politics and culture, we've got budget constraints. Underwriting. Underwriting. Yeah. Some of these insured tech companies are not underwriting. They're right. pushing it off to the re. Right. And, uh. You know, so I think one of the biggest constraints is, but we've always worked this way, like that mm -hmm. phrase. Mm -hmm. And so what I started to realize is like, this is, this is a consistent theme everywhere. And I was able to break through it because the InsurTech succeeding, like we got lots of business. So, you know, I knew how to navigate that conversation, but I wanted to help and I wanted to help much more broadly. And so I, I used to be an advisor to the InsurTech. I left my full-time role, went back on the advisor side. So I'm still, I still love them. But um, I'm independent now, which which is important because I wanted to write this book about how we as an industry, despite all the constraints we face, we can move ahead. Yeah, there's lots of pressures from customers, the expectations to interact differently. Like that's not an insurance issue. That's because everything else in their life has moved ahead. And we can't just continue to be like, oh, but, you know, we've always needed faxes or notarized documents like you can't. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so we've got pressures from customers and yeah, there's startups and every industry is facing this new, I mean, look at JetBlue, you know, years and years ago, like they're one of the largest airlines in the U S right now. They didn't exist back, you know, not too long ago. Like every right. industry has startups. That's nothing new, but we're facing a new kind of startup. There's always been new carriers, but they were always the same kind of carriers, like mm -hmm. typical way of working and everything. These are tech companies 
Right. These are, you know, they're led by engineers. They're not led by like a 50 year executive from the industry. A data scientist has a higher regard than a lot of uh, yeah. legacy corporations yeah. today. I mean, those, those, yeah, that's important. Great. So, dude. Yeah. So if that's our context, what do we do about it? And, uh, and so I, I got seven carriers who were willing to open up and that was pretty important to me is, uh, your name's gotta be in there. There's no like carrier X said, mm -hmm. um, I want to talk to the people who actually did the thing and I want to hear the good, the bad and the ugly of what you did, what you were facing, how you innovated, how you move forward despite those constraints and despite those pressures, because I want to, I want to put out some lessons and some hope. So that someone else who's sitting there, and this this is not just for carriers, like agents deal with this stuff, brokers deal mm -hmm. with this, TPAs, do, like this is the industry we're in. So if you're in that space where you're feeling constrained or you're wishing it was different, what do you do about that? And right. so it's not, it's not anything specific to any tech. It's not like, oh, you have fraud? Well, then you have to do this thing that CNA did around fraud. It's like, no, well, why were they successful? That, those nuggets of like, how they looked at it, how they changed their business approach. That's what can move you forward, regardless of what specific situation you're dealing with. I got a lot there, dude. I got a lot. So bear with me. Yeah. Well, it's so a good thing about I, me rambling for a while. No, 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 no. I like it. <laughs> and, and the loyal listeners love a good rambler because that means I'm not. I didn't get it at first, but then I did. Okay. So, so there's a difference. See, I love breaking this down. Didn't know we were going this direction. There's people that are sitting in that meeting who didn't get it like you didn't. But when they did get it, they didn't relate. They just got it because they were told this is how the older uh, generation thinks or this is how the younger generation thinks. Yeah. So, like, start changing that in your brain. You didn't get it. You related. Mm -hmm. You were able to say, whoa, holy cow, yeah, okay. You don't have to explain it anymore to me. I get it completely. Now I see how that's rationalized there in that way. I think there's been something that's always been a great saying of the past, which I have said many times. I don't know, loyal listeners, if you've ever heard me say this. I think one of the most toxic phrases that we sometimes can say is, is this too shall pass. And we hear this a lot in the insurance industry, Brian. We hear this so much. I used to hear my main manager, um, actually agency owner, back in 02, 03, 04, the first agency I worked for, he would say that whenever the girls or the, the staff would get all into a riled up, you know, he'd be like, oh, this too shall pass. And I learned that no matter how bad something gets, it will pass. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean it goes away. Yeah. That doesn't mean that it's still not there. That means it's just not the number one topic on their mind, right? Uh, consumers understand that insurance companies are old. And at the end of the day, I can send in my payment and I can call my agent. No big deal. That this too shall pass when all of a sudden we start talking about cloud-based computing. That's what those executives were thinking. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was, yeah. oh, this too shall pass. But someone like you, you can relate that, that is what made it so, so essential, I think, to, to what you're doing. But I think that when we hear out there, loyal listeners, this too shall pass. I think there's a positive and there's a negative to be pulled out of that. Yeah. Let's make sure that we're just not kicking the can down the road, right? Let's make sure we're addressing it because we've come to a point in time, as Brian, as you're saying, that now there's other people involved. Now there's other people involved that are saying, hey, if you're not going to do it, we're going to do it. And I want to talk more about that. But before I do, that, that, that this too shall pass. I mean, yeah. you, there's phrases out there that drive me nuts when yeah. that, what I'd be saying. Because I think, Brian, I think we say them, but we really don't think about what we're saying. What yeah. say you? No, I, I think you're spot on. I think another way of looking at it 
when it's in that negative context is like it's the flavor of the month like oh, yeah here we go this is what they're talking about now just yes just smile and nod they're gonna forget about it yes um, but oh yes yeah when, when it's a challenge the question you ask yourself is like yeah it will pass but are we better for it you know cat season hits and like it's rough and we got to get through that and any carrier who's like just bear down and get through it okay when it's done what have you learned mm -hmm. what can you do so that you're not paying three times the rates for questionably um, credentialed adjusters because they're taking advantage of you right. and you know your insureds are in a bad place like what did you learn from that yeah it passed you got through it people are back in their homes but are you better for it? And what are you mm -hmm. gonna do when it hits next time? Because if if your whole strategy, and this is like the whole, the, the cycle, people are like, oh, you know, we're in a soft market and what we need to do is wait until it hardens. I'm like, so your strategy is wait until things that you have nothing to do with are beneficial to you? That's your business strategy? <laughs> like that's what we're <laughs> well, talking about, right? You are, good call, Brian. Well, there is no market cycle anymore. Like, yeah, technically rates go up and down, but it's mm -hmm. way shorter than it used to be. I agree. And it's not as deep. It like the downs are deeper, but those ups are not going to carry you through 10 years of rough. So what are you doing for your business with the opportunities that are here right now? Because just waiting, that ain't a strategy. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, AK Agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. Yeah, I agree. That is not a strategy. It's not a strategy. Let's turn this something to something you said in your uh, book trailer. Yeah. Um, you also have said it here. I want to dissect what this looks like. Okay. So to the loyal listeners, and I hope everybody in the world listens to this part, because when we decide, when we decide, and I want you to know, I'm only using your words just for your words, but I want to have an open conversation. Yeah, yeah. You said you were on the insurance company side, the carrier side. And then you went to the other side, which was the insure tech side. Yeah. Okay. Now I would be saying that there is not two sides. This is not a coin. I would say there's actually probably like four or five sides. And I want to, and I want to discuss that because I think when we talk about carriers and then we talk about insure tech, Brian, I don't think that they represent me. I'm an independent insurance agent. And I'm probably one of the biggest pieces of the pie because, boy, if these carriers could get rid of us, I've had them told me over a couple scotches and brandy. It's not going to happen. No. But, I mean, at the end of the day, they could, you know, they could yeah. save some money. But they can't. They know that. Um, but you look at the, it this way. I say it as carrier. I say indie. I say insure tech. I say indie tech. And I think that's the difference because these insure techs have kind of went after the carriers. They know where the money is. They know when they're in there. Hey, these are the kind of processes we need or software we need to handle claims better, make all that better. Yeah. And that and that, and that's not that important to us. It's yeah. really not like it is important to us that we have that. But that's not like the main driver of my agency and my software and the customer experience I'm that's trying true. to create. Right. Yep. 
And then inside that indie tech, I even say, and I include, and my insurance agent buddies would, would disagree with me, I also include that to be the captive agents and the independent agents. I believe that the captive agents are getting ready to do something to the industry that no one sees. And I'm starting to see when these captive agents are coming over, and they're coming over in droves, and they have been for five, six, seven years. One of the things we're learning is, is they have a different style. Mm -hmm. They take in leads, right? They take in internet and online leads and they're writing like $500,000 in premium a month. Brian, just for an average agency, yeah, if, you're writing 100, 000, if you're writing 100,000 in premium a month, yeah. it depends on if you're a big agency, personal lines or commercial lines. But if you're 50-50 commercial lines, personal lines, and you're writing 100 to 150,000 in premium a month and personal lines, that's considered pretty good. To a captive, that's embarrassing. Like they're like, why are you even here? And I believe that that's going to help independent agents gain back market share on the personal line side. Mm. It's actually going to come from the captives, but it's going to be the captives have trained the troops that are now going to jump onto our side. They're going to help us take that. That's mm. another story for another time. But what I want to say is I want to make sure that indie tech is brought into that side as well. Yeah. Because indie tech is important because um, like um, the insure tech connect that goes on. That's yep. a great, fantastic uh, uh, um, uh, co conference and convention, but as an independent agent, doesn't no. have much to do with me. No. What, what do you What do you think about this ecosystem? There yeah. is a big ecosystem well, here. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. And yeah, teaser video is supposed to be a minute. Mine's like a minute twenty six. So I was already <laughs> over. So I I don't think there's sides. I think the table's round. Uh, oh, it is. It. A, or, or it's not. I mean, it's we're not sitting down. Like it's a mesh, right? So mm -hmm. it is. What about TPAs? What about other service providers? What about reinsure? Like, right? There's there's a lot in this universe, and mm -hmm. even the term insure tech. What the hell does that mean? As come on, when now. someone's like, oh, I come work on. for an insure tech. Well, Lemonade's an insure tech. That's not good for a traditional carrier. Come I work on. for a company called High Marley. That's an insure tech. That that's an enabler. So, like one term mm -hmm. that means completely different things. So. Woo! My a lot point of people more, don't know that. Thank you, yeah. Brian, for breaking that out a little bit. So my whole thing, like other side of the table or whatever, is like basically I used to get offered lots of steak dinners at conferences when I was at a carrier. And now like and I'm vegan. So like that just heads up like that's not going to resonate. Be like, what, cauliflower on the side? That's what I'm going to have for dinner. Um, versus like I'm the guy who's trying to get people to be like, yeah, let's have coffee. Let you know. Right. Um, it's just a question who is paying. That's the only sides to it. But I think you're spot on. And actually, it's I'm really really glad you mentioned ITC because the InsureTech Connect, um, the whole the whole conference space, unless you're at like a big eye event or a specific distribution focused event, as much as they want to hashtag insurance agents and independent agents and brokers to get the draw, 99.9% .9 of the content does not apply to them. And yeah, there's, on, there's some yes. tools that could, but ITC a couple of years back, one of one of the competitors for the company I worked for brought a farmer's agent on stage. And this was like the guy they handpicked to talk up how great their solution is for him. And literally on stage, you're like, how has this changed your your business? And he's like, it's okay. Like this is this is like I'm not trying to knock them, but like I, I'm flabbergasted. I'm like, this is a guy you flew out. You you like you used one of your free tickets on, you vetted him, and he's like, yeah, like that's the best you can do. But there's there's a reason for that. Like one of the, the things that I, I talk about in the book, this comes out in one of the cases is like, who do you work with as a, a new kind of provider? Whether it's indie tech, insure tech, like whatever phrase we want to use, claims tech, whatever. Are they of this industry? 
and it doesn't mean there can't be good ideas from outside. There absolutely are. But do they actually get insurance? Are they committed to this space? Are they, they an insurance pure play? Do they have insurance people who've actually lived in that role? Mm -hmm. And that's why like for me doing sales, I'm not just some sales guy who shows up and be like, well, you can use our solution in your claims. But like I was a chief claims officer. My staff used this thing and we mm -hmm. were suffering before. So when I tell you like, here's what it does, I'm not making it up to close a deal. I'm telling you literally like, well, this is what I lived with. And nice. I think that's one of the biggest problems in, uh, especially in the agent space is I think a lot of companies are like, there's a lot of agents out there. What if we sold into them? That like, you know, and we can do like a, a, a freemium model and they can all sign up and we'll start charging them five bucks a month. Hey man, that's awesome. Do you actually understand what their life is like? Thank you. And Come on, Brian. It's different. And I mm. see them being like, this piece of the process is so broken and agents don't understand and their tools suck. And we're, so we're going to, we're going to change that. And they're going to use our portal and they're going to, I'm like, okay, that's great. And that works really well. But the problem is their AMS overlaps with 60% of what you're doing. And then the carrier side overlaps with the other 40%. Mm -hmm. And you're not solving for both of those. So guess what you've done? You've added a third system for them. And while it's better for that little segment of what they're doing, much better and it's awesome, mm -hmm. you're not helping them. Right. So like, did you actually Brian, get into it? Brian, let me yeah. tell you this, dude. Oh, this is great, dude. I totally forgot about this conversation. So I'm talking with a veteran insurance agent. He's a veteran consultant and I can't remember who it was. Um, he was telling me, gosh, I can't remember who was telling me this. He was telling me back in the 80s that the carrier and the agent relationship were tied, right? I mean, yep. it was tied at the hip. It's literally agency bill. There's you know nothing I mean? else it, you can do. There's nothing else, yeah, right? Yeah. And they said in the mid 80s, when the AMS systems came in, people don't realize that they really didn't solve many problems, kind of like you're saying now. All they did was split them and they came in between as a way that yeah. said, hey, if you want to talk with each other, Just you now have to come through us. Yeah. And now you're kind of saying the same thing, right? Now an insured tech is almost, and we're not beating them all up, we're painting with a broad brush yeah, stroke, yeah. folks. But it, but now you're kind of saying there's another guy getting in the way. There's yeah. another person getting in the way of this thing. And obviously we didn't learn from what we did a long time ago. Yeah. I think I think the biggest issue is just understand the life of the person you're talking about fixing or like judging mm -hmm. those. So a, a lot of the InsureTech carriers um, or even some of the, the earlier iterations of InsureTech distribution, it was hubris. So it's like, oh, these idiots in insurance, you know, and, and some of them literally said it like this. Some of them, that's what they implied. It's like, they don't, I sat down at a, at a break at ITC and this guy sat down next to me and just starts shaking his head. And I'm like, okay, he obviously wants to talk. I'm like, hey, what's up? What, what, what are you shaking your head about? And he's like, these idiots. And he, he used a much less nice word. I understand. They're all going to be gone next year. They're dinosaur. And he's talking about the, he had started a carrier. And I'm like, yeah, chances are, now look, ITC is not in person, so I can't test it, but he's not going to be there. Like I doubt right. his carrier is still around. How many mm -hmm. of them are sitting there in judgment without really understanding? Like it's really easy to throw stones at this particular broken process. You got to understand the big picture and what yes. that life is like. And if you can do that, you could, yeah, you'll make millions, but you could genuinely move the industry. And that's what's missing. Mm -hmm. So I think um, it's very easy to make a lot of presumptions about agents. Try doing that job. And then figure out what would be helpful to them and ask them, you know, Brian, here's what we got to do going forward, man. We got it. We got to break down the silos 
and and you can help me from the inside uh, from the inside out because you know a lot of people at very high levels that can help us influence this what do i mean we have to get we have to get systems first of all you hear it here it said i say it all the time we got to get rid of ams systems ams systems are terrible they don't really work well okay now if any of them sponsored your book you can just <laughs> no so, so so anyway so my point is though is that they we have to have a new type of system meaning the ams companies need to evolve themselves i'm not mm-hmm. saying they need to go away and go bankrupt they need to evolve themselves and in in saying that there has to be data has to be the difference right you know this you speak of this a lot um but AI is not going to replace agents, mm-hmm. but agents who use AI will replace agents who do not use yeah, AI. That's really and, well said. And that is the difference here. And yeah. so how do we help that AI come in? I believe the carrier and the agency system, now this is wild, but it has to be this way, has to be one. Yeah. There's a customer experience that's going on with this customer that I have that the customer carrier has as well. And they're having this relationship with them, billing them, emailing them, doing some things. I've got this relationship over here, billing them. And Jason's not talking to the carrier and the carrier's not talking to Jason. And there's a lot that needs to be going on. And indie tech is the system, is the software, whatever it could be, that understands that we need to not be in between the agent and the carrier. We need to all be in the same room to where how cool would it be that if somebody calls into um, the the carrier's call center because they couldn't get us for some reason, that that person just doesn't call and say, yeah, I'm going to transfer them over. Like somehow it zaps through our system and we can kind of already see the call transcribe and exactly what's already been talked about on that side. But they already have that. They just don't want to bring that over to here. And I believe that's where insurtechs, as long as they can make money off of it, because the the I believe when you say what is the difference between an insurtech and an indie tech, indie tech believes and understands that the software that's been created up to now has not been built for the independent insurance agent. Yeah. And if we have to build our own, we will because we have money and we have talents and development is is inexpensive enough now that you can develop your own thing. And I believe that's what we're creating. Um, Seth Zaremba and them has with Neon. Yeah. It's going to be you know, this first system that, that's going to do that. But I think they're all going to go that way. And yeah. we welcome them to go that way. Here's my point, Brian. We have to break down the silos. Yeah. This has to all data has to be shared openly amongst us all yeah. for that customer creation to be what it is. Well, and here's the cool thing with this, Jason, is that you said like it has to be one. It doesn't literally have to be one. It can be mm-hmm. one through all the modern tools that are here, like between the cloud and APIs and whatever other buzzword you want to say. Like Paul. the data, the the transactions, the flexibility, the insights can move freely between them. So it doesn't have to be that you know, everyone is a state farm agent, there's no other carriers or whatever. And it doesn't mean everyone has to be on applied or, or you know, right. it, what, it, that's not the point. The point is, let's open up and let's get flexible. And the cool thing with that is you can start to play. You can figure out like integrating APIs or, or connecting to APIs does not have to be a big exercise. And there are usually lightweight first versions of it and you can connect mm-hmm. more down the road, test it out. Like have a flexible enough system on both sides of the coin, try that API to connect them to tap in other tools, see if there's value. And if there is, great, go bigger. But you can start to flex in a way that as an industry, we've never been able to do. Because as soon mm-hmm. as you talk about systems talking, I mean, that those early days you were talking about with AMSs, that was like EDI, overnight batches. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. 
and but you know what it was better than some of the stuff that came out after that and it's like we don't have 300 million dollars to connect to this one system and then we got to do it with 17 other agencies that, you know mm-hmm. but apis open those doors yes they do and there's so many cool things you can start to get into like if that call information can come through, why transcribe it and show that to them? Why not have AI actually process the insight and put sentiment on it and give you the gist of it and tell you like, it's a it's a good interchange, there's something bad here. Like you, you should know that they talked. About. The agent shouldn't be out of the, like, you know, for the customers like, oh, I talked to my carrier yesterday. You don't want the agent to be like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. They need to be informed. But they also don't need to spend time with like, it was something routine, no big deal. But if a tree fell on their house, they want to know beforehand. So could That's that right. happen in the carrier system, pull that insight, alert the agent proactively? Like, look, there was a loss or this person was screaming and swearing on the phone, like something's up. You should check in with them. Um, that's the kind of stuff that like, there's so much knowledge out there and the tools are here now that if we start to play with them, we build up our ability to really benefit from them. And look, the benefit ultimately is about being that trusted advisor, being that trusted protector mm-hmm. of the insured, which is the real ultimate point. The money comes if you do that. Like you'll do well commission-wise if you do that. You'll have a really strong business with high retention and growth. I agree. Brian, I got to give it to you, buddy. Um, you uh, talked way more about the independent channel and understood who we were more than I thought you did 46 minutes ago. Just, just <laughs> I, saying. I mean, a lot I of times- I spent this- time there. Like I did huh? run a distribution team. I've spent time in a lot of agents' offices listening to how frustrated they are. I got to tell you, there's a lot of people that I have on this podcast that say the same thing and they still don't have a damn clue. So, I mean, that's just the way that it is. And I appreciate that of you. Here's what I want to um, I want to I want to end by saying is that um, if there there's insurance companies out there that are doing things differently. Yeah. If I was an independent insurance agent and I was thinking to myself, you know, hey, I would like to know other companies out there that are doing things differently that work with independents and you feel, because you know us, have the understand maybe what we do. Not perfect. Everybody's learning. What would be one or two companies you would point out that you would say, hey, watch for this company or check out this company? Anybody? So that's a dangerous question to ask me. Then don't ask. Then don't answer. I know. I know. Don't don't (laughs) answer then. But I, I think there are some signs you can look for is who's there flexible you, you know like there there are a lot of new tools out there there are a lot of carriers that are and they're going to put press releases out because they want that credit like see who's using the tools that you're using that's making your life easier when you're using something that's like and we can pull in this from the carriers we'll find out who those carriers are because mm-hmm. those are the ones who have already switched that light on and have been like actually our agents know a thing or two they care we need to listen to them and listen to the customers and if we keep holding them at arm's length, like, oh, there's a system between us. That's not the partner you want because you need to know they're going to be there when you raise something up and they're going to be interested in the insights that you're seeing at the coalface with those customers, with those insureds. Brian, what's the reason for the logo of the book with the, uh, for y'all, uh, uh, for you loyal listeners, it's a light bulb with a, uh, an umbrella in the middle. Is Travelers one of the main sponsors? No, I'm joking. No. I'm joking. <laughs> don't, don't get me sued, man. Um, (laughs) totally joking what's the reason for it so uh the umbrella you know universal insurance logo and yes i know a particular carrier claims that um but all of us in the industry like that's nothing new Um, but the light bulb moment like we can still be here to protect everyone and be enlightened 
So um, that and the graphic designer came up with it when I was rambling about like, what if like a light bulb's going off and something that implies insurance? She's like, what about instead of a filament, we've got an umbrella? I'm like, oh yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> it does. I think it, I think it will. It covers you. Yeah. Um, it really truly does. Uh, leaders are readers and readers are leaders. And I know that you're a leader, so you're definitely a reader. What books are you reading right now? Um, I'm reading a book uh, that's not out yet. That's by the uh, half of the folks who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul. Oh. Um, so I, I don't think I can talk about it yet, but it's it's really interesting. It's also really long. So okay. I'm making my way through that. Um, a lot of the things that I read are um, kind of like self-development, self-help kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. There's a book that I've read several times over. I'm looking at it right now. It's called Open Heart, Clear Mind by a Buddhist monk named Tubtin Chodron. I know that's not the kind of thing you were expecting. No, that is um, the kind of stuff. Say that again. What is that? It's called Open Heart, Clear Mind. It's the greatest thing I've ever read. And uh, you got me on video so you can see this, but it's like, yeah. it's got like a furry mane of little post yeah, notes I've stuck in there. It it changed my life. Uh, it was the inspiration for my second book and it's incredible. So I do, I keep coming back to that because it just, it, uh, it helps me with all the things going on. We got some things going on in the world at the moment. So it's a great way to recenter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is good stuff. I uh, have read the Tao Te Ching uh, and, and I literally just got it out a couple um, uh, weeks ago. And it was crazy because Ryan Hanley, I read one of his blog posts yesterday where he was talking about where he wants to be like water. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I thought to myself, someone's been ringing the ching because I mean, he, he, that's what he talks about, you know, and it's a concept that's very hard to explain unless you understand the whole thing about how water forms, whatever it is, right. You can have water and you can put it into a thermos. That water now becomes a thermos. You can put it into a bowl. It becomes a bowl. The main thing that I always took away from water um, that Lao Tzu is trying to explain is that it always goes to the lowest point, mm. right? So it always goes to where the need is the most, mm -hmm. right? It, it, it always humbles itself. And, he, and they say, be like water. And I really think that that is really, really, really a, a great point. One last thing I want to say here is that you've used this word three or four times. You've used the word flexible. Yeah. I notice that kind of stuff because I like words. And um, one of the things that I think that uh, falls true is an old Beardism. Uh, Beardism is uh, Mike Beard is uh, my first mentor uh, from years ago. He used to say, blessed are the flexible for they don't get bent out of shape. <laughs> I always thought I liked That's that awesome. a lot. So yeah. that has to do with everything that you've been saying. Brian, you've been fantastic, dude. Um, where can people find out about your book? So they can go to future-of-insurance.com and there's mm -hmm. tons more detail and links to everywhere you can get it. It's out in every single format, um, however you want to take it in. All right. Fantastic, dude. Hey, um, it has been fantastic having you on. I think you and I are going to talk many, many more times. Loyal listeners, I believe today, as I said, is, Ju uh, is June 23rd, his product, his book launch. I, I assume you'll probably be hearing this within the next couple of days. Usually I'm like three, four months out, but I've kind of got them crammed in here. Um, so I do appreciate you. Be sure to go to loyallistener or loyallistenershirt.com to check out those shirts. We're selling them for $25 and the money all goes to PPE equipment. We need that from you. 
We raised about $2,000 and we're getting ready to cut a check. Go to loyallistenershirt.com. Brian, I really greatly appreciate you coming on, man. You are a gem to the industry and uh, check out that Xennial. I think you're going to yeah. find when you look at a lot of those traits and stuff, you're going to go, holy crap, this is really amazing. And you're a living example of it. Keep pushing, man. Keep bringing us together. Keep trying to get rid of the silos and, and erase the lines, man. Let's just let us fade in because this together all together, all those sides, we do make up a very strong fabric of the insurance industry, and it is the greatest industry, come on, loyal listeners, that God has ever created. This has been Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast. Remember, tell me your thoughts and tell me your ideas, and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This is Cass. He's Falchuk. We're out. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is. To, to fix a problem, the first thing you've got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.